0: My name is Brett Q. I don't play hockey, and I do not listen to Nickelback, but I still like Canadians, so I listen to the Big MX radio show.
1: Big MX Radio, brought to you by Meta, is on the air. Fueled by passion, focused on motocross. Fly Racing, Bill's Pipes, W Wheels, Motul MX, X Brand Goggles, Moto Ice Wrap, and Moto Stuff make it possible to bring you the news, the interviews, and the point of views. Inside the sport of motocross, the gate's about to drop on Big MX Radio. Welcome to the Arma Energy Drink Big MX Radio Podcast Show, brought to you by Fly Racing and Bill's Pipes. I am your host, Brad Gebhart. With us on the line, we've got a repeat offender by the name of Tony Blazer. Tony, how's it going?
0: Well, thanks, man. How are
1: you tonight? Hey, I'm not doing too bad. Uh, Fresh off the field of touch football, ready to talk some motocross. uh, Something that I I know a little bit better than pigskin.
0: (laughs) Awesome, awesome. I I love football, but I probably do know more about motocross as well.
1: Fair enough. Well, we're, we're in the same boat, and that's why we're here on the Big MX Radio Podcast Show, talking motocross, uh, bench racing, if you will. That's what we do usually when we have Tony on. Is that uh, you're you're a mind, you're a uh, a, histo- I've often referred to you as a motocross historian. You you know this sport inside and out, and you know uh, kind of the background of it, and. Uh, the, re- Unless it's some sort of like obscure Canadian guy, if I show you a picture, you pretty much not only know who it is, but uh, what team it's on, and usually a little bit of uh, background story of the photo, which is uh, it's, it's pretty cool. It's uh, it's a well acknowledged that uh, kind of uh, underrated.
0: Well, thanks, man. I appreciate that. I do the best I can there. It's Some of the uh, more uh, Canadian stuff, yes, I'm not so up to speed on, but uh, if it was an American motocross, I'm pretty good at that.
1: There you go. Uh, uh, like just for example, for those who don't already follow Tony over on his uh, his social media at Tony Blazer on uh, on Instagram as well. I believe it's the same for Twitter. Is correct?
0: Yes. Yep. Same on Twitter and Instagram both.
1: And then if uh, if you you're really a moto geek, you want to stay up late at night watching races from a bygone era, go check out uh, the the Motocross Vault on uh, on, on on Twitter. YouTube, YouTube and uh, just just get into that and I, I' like there's I don't know how many videos you you've posted all together but uh, way too many and I've watched all of them uh, two or three times I, I think I remarked last time you were on the show I stayed up at two o'clock in the morning watching a, a more across the nations race from Spain and I'm still like glued to it because uh, all that old content is is so tough to come by but uh, you make it easy man
0: well thanks man I appreciate that there's a lot of good stuff on there unfortunately a lot of the stuff I've had to take down because of uh different people putting copyright stuff on it, but there's still I still have probably four hundred to five hundred videos up so there's a good good number of uh, videos worth watching on there
1: well that blows my mind about the the copyright thing and like I get yeah like that's your property, other people shouldn't be allowed to to post it without your blessing or yeah, like without compensation of some sort but like how many dollars did you really plan on making? off of a Supercross from 1994.
0: Yeah, that's the weird one. I, a couple of them I do understand, like Duke Video is the main one that, that actually got, they caused me to have my YouTube channel shut down the first time, um, I don't know, three or four years ago, because they have a lot of the, the Euro stuff. That's the stuff that's really a problem is um, I had all the motocross nations up there and things, um, and they started just putting you know, takedown notices on it. And it, it wouldn't be a big deal if they go, Hey, just take all these down. But no, it only takes three strikes and they just completely shut your account down. I still, I can't even log into YouTube on, under my own name anymore. It just doesn't exist. Um, which sucks. But anyways, yeah, that was, May. It,
1: that's, that's where it all started, man. That's, Oh uh, my God. That's what got the notoriety of like guys like Jeremy McGrath being like, Oh man, that Tony blazer guy he posts all go the great videos. Like that's cool. like having, Legends like that, logging onto YouTube and reliving old memories, or like I got, I, I can just imagine like him, Jimmy Button, and maybe Buddy Antonez like gathering around the television, putting on uh, San Diego '96, and just like just reminiscing. And I, I, I want to be a fly on the wall in that uh, uh, in that conversation. If I can't be a fly on the wall, I still want it to happen because that's just good Ben racing.
0: Yeah, you're right about that. Actually, Jimmy was the first uh, first kind of like name rider that reached out to me, and he um, he was looking for his one and only uh, 250 moto win. He didn't have any of the race uh, like in his personal collection. It was on ESPN, obviously, years ago. But right. I had it on VHS, and I ended up ripping it to a DVD uh, for him and mailing it to him. And then uh, a little while after that, G- um, you know, him and Jeremy are friends. Jeremy contacted me um, through Jimmy. And Jeremy wanted to get a copy of all his races because, believe it or not, he had none of them. Um, wow. You know, they, uh, these guys you know, they have these great careers, but they're, they're worried about other things. They're not thinking about keeping, you know, VHS tapes of the races when they're older. Exactly. And uh, his, his kids, he wanted to show his races to his kids. And so I, I made um, – I went and bought a hard drive and uh, put all his races um, from the time he was on a 125 in 1990 um up until he retired and i put them all on a a hard drive to him and sent him to him out in cali um so yeah that was pretty cool it really that that's basically yeah exactly what got me noticed by people um and when when duke video had um put those strikes on me and it clipped my account i I was i was real close to saying you know i wasn't really doing the um wasn't really doing the instagram and twitter and stuff too much at that time so it was um, I was real close to saying, screw it. I don't want to deal with it. I'd spent so many hours on this and then had it just all uh, blown up in the, in the afternoon. Um, it was, now I was like super bummed for about a week or two before I finally said, oh, I'll just do it. Cause I spent, I spent hundreds and hundreds of hours of ripping these uh, VHS tapes to uh, yeah. DVDs and then uploading them to YouTube and, and compiling them and da da da. I mean, it was, it was stupid. I don't even know if I had to do it over. I, I don't think I'd do it. I don't even know why I got into Cause it, it was a daunting task. I have, you know, hundreds of these tastes. Um, so anyways, long story short. Yeah, that was a bummer deal for sure.
1: Oh, and, and a big loss to a, a bunch of motocross geeks that, uh, like to, if, if you can't, uh, uh, can't, can't fall asleep at night. I always want to put on uh, a, a race from a bygone era because, Honestly, I didn't really get to, like, being Canadian, I didn't get to watch these races up until, honestly, maybe six, seven years ago. And uh, and honestly, I didn't really get into American moto until I was about 10 or 11. So that's right around, like, 2000. And there's there's a whole, like history of a sport that, uh, is, is a often forgotten and b uh, tough, tough to, to kind of, um, if you, if you really want to like kind of educate yourself on where the, the sport has been, uh, you have to, to basically source it out either through magazines, uh, or a world newsprint or a, a page like your, your own. And uh, I think whether it be your, your YouTube, your Instagram and your Twitter, you add those together and what you can do is you can really start to to sculpt uh, an image of of a, of a landscape of, of a sport that's really grown over the years and educate yourself to kind of understand why things are a certain way they are or uh, know who some of the heroes that maybe maybe uh, they, they only had one flash in the pan season that otherwise you, uh, fans wouldn't know about. And uh, that's kind of cool stuff that I like to have. like, And that's the things that other sports have that, that motocross doesn't like. Um, like NFL has the 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 uh, Ricky Running Waters who uh, lit up the NFL for a solid maybe five years tops. But if they didn't have those NFL films that dive dive back and let you know about that athlete, people would never know about uh, like uh, an athlete like that who'd say things like "I'm young, I'm pretty, and can't possibly
0: be beat." (laughs) Exactly. You know, that's it's funny you mentioned the NFL because that's really got. That's what started me on this whole thing in the first place. Was I was thinking, because uh, I remember like even in high school, I used to go and uh, go go to the library at school and get those NFL books and read all about the stats going way back. And um, there really wasn't that much in motocross, I, unless you had the magazines, the old Cycle News and stuff. It was hard to find that stuff, especially you know, I don't know six seven years ago. Uh, now they have the RacerX Vault, which has a lot of great information on it. Um, but in general, that stuff was pretty hard. I always thought it was funny that the sport did not have that much of a repository of its history. Um, so yeah, I'm just one fan, but, uh, I had access to, um, hundreds and hundreds of magazines and, and lots of these great races. So, um, I was, I guess I kind of a unique position to be able to actually do something in that vein. Um, so I, once I started, it was, you know, I got a lot of positive feedback from people on vital and, um, online and it, it just kind of snowballed from there.
1: I you on know, man. Well, I really appreciate you coming on and uh, giving us a dose of wisdom uh, time and time again. Uh, you'd mentioned that one of the first guys that reached out to you was uh, was uh, the buttonfly Jimmy Button himself. Uh, the guy recently had a birthday as uh, recently as yesterday. So uh, Jimmy, if you're listening, happy blitted birthday! But uh, in, in in a moment like that where uh, you're kind of able to uh, through some fi- some pictures celebrate the the birthday of, of a guy who uh, kind of almost kind of gave you your start, so to speak, as far as me- mainstream exposure um how do you go about selecting the pictures that you wanted to uh, to use to kind of commemorate the the guy's career because uh when i look back at it i see some some pictures of his very early days on suzuki's obviously the pj1 yamaha uh the 96 that thing's absolutely gorgeous um and and obviously uh like riding hondas early in the uh the 80s was kind of like the only kids riding those cr60s without putting those things on the map uh how did you choose those photos
0: Those um, when I'm looking at doing something like a a rider's birthday, now it's a little harder with somebody like Jimmy because I have a lot. Let's say McGrath or somebody, you have like literally probably 300 photos to choose from. It's a little harder. A lot of times when I do a rider, I may only have a few photos to choose from, so it's not as uh, difficult. But I basically look at uh, I, I. Started the day I knew I keep a, a record of some of the writers birthdays, So I know if I want to actually send some stuff out to kind of send them a shout out So I go and look and um, search all the photos I have of that person just to try and find something that finds interesting to me um, I love for instance. I love that 94 Suzuki the the technical graphics they ran that year were awesome His yeah. JT gear looked cool. So I thought that was a cool photo um, Same thing with the the PJ one year um i think that's still one of the coolest looking bikes ever in terms of like uh you know an aftermarket graphics and stuff and i thought it was a cool candid photo of, of jimmy and jeremy they're kind of just chatting between motos and those guys were really close and um that just seemed like a really cool snapshot of a private moment between those two um the one of emig and uh, jimmy at the world mini was pretty cool too that was an obscure photo um i think fro posted it maybe a couple of years ago i just happened to see it at the time i thought it was a uh, interesting picture you don't see too many picture of these guys when they're on 80s and stuff you know it's most of the stuff you see was when they're a pro so I thought that was kind of a, a fun one to post up but in general I just try to find something interesting um, I also try to keep track of whether I've posted it before I mean I have you know I don't know 40,000 photos or something so there's a lot of pictures but I try not to double up and, and um, I post a lot so some people, you know, if they post once a week or something, not a big deal. But if I'm posting four or five times a day, I try to rotate it and try to keep it fresh with what I what I put up on, on Instagram and stuff.
1: Yeah, it's it's delicate balance. Uh you you want to stay stay relevant but not be uh littering everybody's uh, news feed with uh, with what you got going on and also not completely just deplete your own uh, reserves of of uh, of content to to shout out there. So it's it's a delicate balance, but I think that you've kind of found a uh a a real rhythm to it and um it, it's it's I, i'm always uh kind of tuning in to see uh what what you'll churn out next and uh like more often than not even a guy like myself who i think i pride myself on uh knowing the history and, and being up and up on uh, this stuff still finding out new things all the time like uh, i'll see a picture i think it's one guy and it's a different guy uh mainly because uh guys change numbers so often back in the back back in the day but uh Some really cool stuff and uh, you you, you keep it fresh. Over 5,000 photos posted on Instagram and uh, many, many, many tweets uh, later on on Twitter and uh, a following of 55.5 thousand followers on Instagram. If you haven't already followed Totally Blazer, uh, you're probably not a big fan of this podcast, so I'm probably not talking to you right now. But if I am... Go follow Tony and uh, and check out that beautiful Project 90 that uh, he recently uh, churned out. Uh, kind of, um, it's, it's it's something that you, you see more um, more and more these days. People wanting to uh, kind of restore the the bikes of yesteryear, uh, and you did exactly that. Um, Mathis did a 90 KX250. You did a Project 90 uh, 250 uh, cr 252 stroke Stanton edition. And like I said yesterday, if, uh, if Six Time doesn't call you up to, uh, to get this thing on the line at a Legends race, that'll be uh, just a cry in shame.
0: I, I would so love to see that happen. Um, right. That'll be awesome. It'd be worth driving up to Michigan just to do that and take a video of it. I think it'd be awesome. You know, obviously, I don't know. I don't know how much he comes out to the races that much anymore. But um, that would be super awesome to have some video of him riding that thing for sure. I would definitely but love just to see that.
1: One lap at Redbud, like I don't even care if he, he even twists the throttle on the thing. Just put on the old uh, old gear and roll around. It would just be something special.
0: Yeah. Well, the best thing about Jeff is he still fits in all that old gear. <laughs> yeah. True.
1: He probably feel, You know what? He probably fits it better because it probably was a little loose on him back then.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly right. Yeah, I think he had last. What did uh, I think the Iron Man thing? He wore some gear last year, I think. Yeah, he uh, brought stuff yeah, out it, of packages though. He literally yeah, took things out of out
1: of like like wrappers. I was like, holy crap!
0: That is awesome. And yeah, I gotta love Stan.
1: So tell, tell me about the, the this particular bike. I know you had an awesome time building it. I know you had some, some headaches building it. Uh, what were some of the highlights? What were some of the lowlights? And uh, how, how relieved were you earlier this weekend when you were able to uh, crack this thing open and, uh, and really make something special happen out there on the, on the track with a bike that's not blubbering anymore?
0: Yeah, no doubt. I, I, well, first of all, yes, that was awesome. I was so relieved because I got to be honest with you. I started this. Back in, uh, I think I had the bike end of October. Um, so it's, you know, seven, eight months now. yeah. And the thing was a bummer about it is I had it mostly back together for like two months uh, now. And I haven't been able to ride it because I haven't been able to sort out this thing where, if you don't know, um, the issue with the bike was it was loading up. It wouldn't, when you try to give it throttle, um, it would act like it's, you know, choking on its fuel or something flooding. Um, and then, You'd, if you held it wide open for you know four or five seconds, it would finally clean out, but it wasn't picking up throttle like it should. Um, and then once you got it cleaned out, as soon as you let it idle back down, give it the gas, it would it'd load up. So that was super frustrating. And um, my first thought was, okay, well, maybe the so there's a problem with the HPP valves. Um, I don't know if you ever worked on one of those old bikes, but if you do or are yeah. familiar with it, um, the, the Honda PowerPort system worked really well very efficient system. You know, it was on their bikes for you know 15 years um, Between the 125 and the 250 but the downside of it was it was a very complex uh, System that was easy to get wrong in terms of adjustments and all this and it needed cleaning all the time It's just kind of a pain. So anyway long story short I thought okay well maybe these things weren't opening because it felt almost to me like you know, it's just the power valves weren't opening. If you've ever ridden a bike with a power valve and had the mechanism not working right, it kind of gives you that feeling like when, you, when you're when you expecting it to go, it kind of just chokes chokes out. So I'm thinking, okay, well, I gotta take the motor apart anyway, I'll uh, fix this. So I rebuild the engine, clean everything, get it all back together, and then, okay, it's still doing it. I'm like, oh my God, here we go. So then we tried uh, jetting it, we tried going up, trying going down, leaning it out. Um, I know an old trick, I used to have problems with these bikes. One little quirk about the 90 CRs is um, the cylinder head is a little too deep in that the spark plug hole, when Honda manufactured the the bikes that year, it was made a little too deep, and the spark plug does not go all the way out into the head like it should, into the combustion chamber. So they tend to foul plugs. It was was a known problem. Um, Smart guys would have the head milled a little tiny little bit just to have the spark plug reach farther. So anyway, long... um, I thought, well, maybe that's the problem. So we went with uh, what I did back in the day with we one, a, uh, a seven, to seven, eight. We tried that, didn't fix it. Um, then the thought was, okay, well, maybe it's, um, maybe the, the crank seal is leaking. I, when I took the motor apart, um, I didn't split the cases. Uh, we just redealed the top end. The crank seemed solid, didn't see any issues there. But if it was leaking on the one side, it could have been sucking training fluid in, which also could cause, you know, I like guess, a, a similar feeling to loading up. So we switch those out. Well, No, that didn't fix it. So I, I'm at this point, you know, I'm swearing. like, I, could, I didn't want to, yeah, swearing. I was so frustrated because you're kind of chasing your tail. I, I couldn't tell for sure if, it, if the issue was in the ignition. Um, Cause you know, you talk thankfully, you know, great thing about social media is it gives you a lot of people to talk to if you're having a problem and people are telling me it could be the choke circuit. It could be the ignition. It could be, um, you know, it could have been a million other things. Um, and you can, with those bikes, you could tell, okay, is it getting spark or not? But maybe it wasn't, um, you know, advancing properly. I mean, there's a million things that could cause it. Two strokes, fairly simple, but you know, getting it, once it's running, getting it running, right. Could be an issue. Um right. So yeah, that, that was, that was a, t- <laughs> that was a frustrating thing. So, um, I, I, at that point I was like, well, I don't want <clears throat> to keep throwing money at it, you know, cause you, you've spent all this time trying to, um, put the thing together at this point. I got their suspension. I mean, he's already spent a lot of money. I don't want to just start buying ignition pieces and stuff I don't need. I was trying to narrow down the, what was wrong. Um, And I got lucky enough. I I remember that my buddy, uh, Jamie Conard has a uh, 89 CR 500. Um, He restored, I don't know, two years ago. And I thought, well, I did a little checking on my manual and they, he actually uses the same carburetor that my CR does. They both use a PJ 38. So I was like, "Well, why don't I just bump his off him to see if at least that could eliminate? You know, if it works, great. If it doesn't, then I got the ignition is the problem." Um, so more of the story is we swapped that carburetor, fired it up, and then immediately it ran just perfectly. So hallelujah, we found the problem finally.
1: There you go. And just like, did you just throw that other carburetor as far as you can?
0: <laughs> you know, I should. I still have it. I don't know why. I should just throw it in the round file. I think the um, there's a, a little seat that the needle valve goes. The needle slides into, and obviously you need that to seal perfectly in order to control the jetting. When the um, so you don't get too much uh, fuel coming in when you roll the throttle on. And I think what happens is over time, apparently that needle can uh, you know rub against the sides and and oval it out just the tiniest little bit. And it's hard to see it visually, but it doesn't obviously you're talking about very very small clearances, so it doesn't take much to affect the jetting enough to cause it to run poorly so i think that was the issue and um unfortunately that part is not replaceable it's like machined in there so the only way to fix it is really to get a different car body so um i'm thinking i'm probably just going to get you know get an updated carburetor for the thing
1: well there you go if i'm uh if i'm anybody over at honda hrc uh i'm seeing that little uh uh headache that you you went through to to build that bike and i i'm going to go ahead and uh see to it that you've got the most bitchin uh, carburetor imaginable for that thing but uh, maybe that's just me
0: that would be awesome that would be awesome i think uh, i should call bail up now and see if he's got one sitting in his house somewhere
1: what are uh who um who, who so far Who's been uh, the most complimentary, or uh, like the most you like, kind of somebody who's commented on it that it was kind of like shocked you that they noticed, or like the kind of some nice words that, that people have said? Because honestly, anyone who's laid their eyes on this thing and, and see where, where you brought it from and to where it's at right now has uh, is, is got to marvel at it. Um, it's absolutely beautiful machine. Uh, the only thing that leaves me scratching my head is as to why you went with a dual compound grip rather than uh, just a straight up black one. <laughs>
0: That's funny. That's a little, that's a detail you're right. That is definitely not period correct. Um, I, you know, I'm a fan of the, I, you know, I appreciate that. Uh, I, I never cared for the fact that Mathis went with like red sprockets and all the weird stuff on his eight project 88. So I can appreciate that. Um, yeah. I'm just fond of those grips. They're, they're easy on my hands and, uh, I, I, okay. I care for it. I like them, but you're right. If I was going to be period correct, I should have got some straight up black grips. I, you know, to be honest, it didn't even occur to me.
1: It, it it occurs to me. Damn it!
0: It was a fashion faux pas on my part. I apologize. Oh,
1: good. But uh, as as I said, uh, who who uh, who's kind of reached out to you? I know there's got to be some pro racers and uh, and 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 moto geeks alike that have uh, have been giving you some props for this thing.
0: Yeah, I've got a lot of positive comments. I can't think of anybody that's you know way outlandishly over the top as far as that goes. Um, uh, I've posted it a couple of times. You know, a lot of people are. Uh, pretty psyched on the project in general. Um, I I know before I start, go ahead.
1: I I hope that Six Time has seen it by now like and actually given you his blessing on this thing. Like, come on. I
0: don't, you know, Jeff follows me on Instagram and stuff. And every now and again, he'll comment, but not a lot. Um, He hasn't said anything to me, but I I would assume he's probably seen it in my feed, but he has not, that I've seen said anything one way or the other. Fair
1: enough. Well, uh, He's uh, just playing coy with you until uh, until he places that phone call. But either way, exactly. I'm glad to see that it's uh, no longer blubbering. I do notice the smallest little bit of a wrinkle in the seat cover, but uh, uh, otherwise, yeah. how does she ride? Um, you actually took it out on the track and uh, and ripped it a new one. So uh, once it was all broken in and ready to rip, uh, what was it like uh, at the controls? Um, I
0: the first impression is I was uh, very Pleasantly surprised with the suspension. Uh, Race Tech uh, totally redid it um, front and back, put their gold valves in, it, revalved it for me, resprung it for my weight, and it works surprisingly well. You know, like I said, I, I've had several of these 1990 bikes, and the suspension's pretty crappy on them in general. The 250 was really bad, probably the worst of the three bikes that year. And it um, now it's like super plush, and I was really really pleased with that. Um, the power. Is exactly pretty much what I remember um, from riding it all those years ago. It's it's super smooth. um, Definitely has a wide power band. There's not a lot of hit to it. Uh, It runs a lot different than like the I had a 96 CR as well, and the 96 has a lot more hit. The 90 is more linear in terms of the way the power is. Um, I'll say what is funny is riding it back to back now with a a buddy of mine. He has a new 250, a new RMZ uh, 250F. And we kind of swapped back and forth um, over the weekend, and it's amazing how close the two are in terms of performance now. Um, wow. Yeah, you know, in '90, that was like that was a rocket in 1990. But the 250F actually, I, it's got a lot more, a they're lot snappy, more low
1: end and peppy, yeah, it's got yeah.
0: it's got so much more power. And once the power valves open, the, the 250 will run with it. But off the line, the 250F just romps on it. Um, It's definitely a lot slower than like a newer two-stroke, you know, um, like a new YZ or a KTM, especially, would just completely destroy it in terms of performance. Uh, But for its age, you know, it runs well. I was pleased with it. It's it's more than enough uh, power to be fun. Uh, But it is is surprising when you ride them back-to-back how much more power these new bikes have, you know. I remember, you know, in 01 when they came out with the 250F, it wasn't. It couldn't hold a candle to a 252 stroke, but yeah. um, they've come a long way since then. You know, fuel injection and all the stuff they've done to them. I, I, yeah, I was thinking yesterday. I bet on um, in terms of actual power, they're probably pretty close because I bet that thing. If I want, I was thinking about it, looking it up, but it probably made about 40 horsepower, 41 or 42 uh, in 1990, and that's about what you know an RMZ is putting out now. So they probably are pretty evenly matched in that department.
1: Yeah, actually, you're you're totally right. As far as even uh, with like the, um, the the shapes of of the uh, the the engine ports and everything, like they're uh, the 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 Honda is probably maybe the the engine is probably maybe just a not not quite as tuned in and, and maybe a little bit lazier than uh, a more modern two stroke. And uh, whereas the 250 fs like I completely, you're right. I remember the first four-stroke I rode was a, a 250F. It was a Kawasaki 2004 to, uh, edition. That thing was a turd. It uh, <laughs> it torn like an 18-wheeler. <laughs> uh, it overheated super quick, and uh, it just felt gutless. Like unless you rode it really tall gears and just kind of like smooth, uh, you couldn't you couldn't really like. And, and certainly you were not going. You're not going to pass a 250 uh, two-stroke down a, down a straightaway. But uh, now, I honestly, I I don't see too many uh, 252 strokes pulling starts on uh, on on four on 250Fs even like it's uh, it's a pretty even playing field.
0: I, I think it's really close now. I mean, it, it really is. Um, if you ride, certainly a 252 stroke when it actually hits the power band, the, the the hit is more explosive, so it feels quicker, and then on taper. You know, KTM's still got, you know, I don't know, a few more horsepower, certainly, than a, than a 250F, but um, it's closer than ever. You know, they've got those four-strokes running so well now. It's it's not the gap it was, you know, when the four-strokes first came out. There was a pretty huge gulf between a 250F and a, a YZ250 then, but it's not that way anymore. Hey, everybody. This is Jimmy Button, former factory supercross rider. You're listening to the Big MX Radio Show. We're going to take it to a commercial, and we'll be right back.
1: When it's time to turn heads, Spokeskins has you covered. Whether it's dirt bikes, street bikes, or bicycles, nobody does it better than Spokeskins. Mix and match your spokes, or go with the same color all the way around. Either way, Spokeskins is the way to go to customize the look of your bike. Uniting off-road riders on every end of the budget spectrum, Spokeskins is aimed at giving you the custom look without the custom price tag. If you're looking, To set your bike apart from the rest of the herd, turn some heads, and be able to change your bike's look on the fly, head to spokeskins.net. They don't just have spokeskins on their website, they've got more. New products are being added all the time, like the Motul Slacker Digital Sag Scale, and just recently, Galfer Off-Road Series Rear Brake Lines, Oversized Rotor Kit, and Front Brake Lines as well. So do what I did, head to spokeskins.net. Today, place your order and get set up to turn some heads out there. Spokeskins, we've got you covered. I was just joking, man. Make, 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 make money, take money, earn, earn, Deft family gloves. Money, Deft means showing cleverness and skill in handling things. What you want to see in football and basketball is some deft handling of the ball. Some people are physically deft, like accomplished athletes, sports professionals, and martial arts masters. Their movements are fast, graceful, and deliberate. Others might be mentally or intellectually deft. You could describe a beautifully written essay as deft, or talk about a politician's deft work on an anti-bullying bill. The source of deft is the Old English gedeft, meaning mild or gentle, which became deft in Middle English along with its meaning of apt, skillful, and adept. Deft family represents a united family of athletes, artists, and creative individuals inspired by the underground lifestyle. Founded by a core crew of friends, influenced by music, arts, culture, sport, faith, and fashion. We provide the essentials the modern-day movement through a vision of free-flowing culture formed by motivation and necessity for change through passionate minds while remaining ahead of the mainstream common and popular beliefs. Hashtag deaf Family is not just a brand, it's a lifestyle. We are Deft. All Deft Family product and merchandise is shipped directly from Temecula, california and handled with care so head on over to deftfamily.com explore the website and find out all things deft and become part of the deft family
0: hey this is josh greco on the 976 cali and you're listening to the big next radio
1: if there's one item to be picky about it's choosing the right helmet I'm Andrew Short, and I choose the F2 Carbon from Fly Racing. You, too, can wear the exact same helmet I wear, Trey Kennard wears, Jimmy Albertson wears, and many others. The F2 Carbon is a helmet loaded with details that make a huge difference in comfort and safety. Lightweight materials, phenomenal airflow, and a super comfortable, sweat-absorbing liner, and generous eye port design to accommodate any goggle choice are just a few. And did I mention how super-trick these helmets look? Straight off the shelf and onto the racetrack. If you are looking for one amazing helmet, look no further than the F2 Carbon from Fly Racing. For more information about Fly Helmets and other products from Fly Racing, visit them on the web at flyracing.com. What's wrong, Jeff? I don't know, Jay. Well, you better fuel up with a nutritious breakfast with Oats and Bran. Oats and Bran? I didn't think there was such a... That's what I used to think. Now, I start out every morning with a bowl of amigos. For extreme kids like us racing man, but more than bikes, what Big Jeff likes is a fat bowl. And there goes the brand, fat bowl. And there goes the brand. Oh, super power, brands for speed. Ooh, that taste,
2: what a delicious treat! Super power, brands for speed. Cereal bees and there goes the brand. Cereal B's, and there
1: goes the brand. Cereal bees and there goes.
0: That's what I call fueling for the
1: big ride. Hey kids, start out every morning with a fat ball. In motocross, everyone wants one common thing. To simply enjoy the ride. Sand, clay, loam, or concrete, and everything in between. Riders all want to be able to enjoy their ride. But today is Arena Cross, tomorrow is Glen Helen, and Saturday, we're heading to this gnarly sand track. How can we be sure our suspension is always dialed in? For most, employing a full-time practice technician is unrealistic. And even for those who have one, setting suspension is still a chore. Get a measuring tape, scratch a mark on the fender or rear number plate, and attempt some backward math to find 105 millimeters. Does this tape even have millimeters on it? Forget that. Head to motool.co today and set your sag every time you ride with the Slacker Digital SAG Scale. Let's hear from Johnny Casepear himself on how this thing works. So uh, really basically you would just uh, stick it on your axle with the magnet, stick the clip on your side plate, basically where the arc of the axle would hit the side plate, and then uh, pull out the retractable cable, hook it to the clip, and turn it on, and then just take the bike off the stand and, and take a measurement. It's that easy. Trust tuning your suspension to Johnny k spear and Motul MX. So, what do you think of Rich Taylor? Lighter than air and stronger than steel. So what that means is it can move much faster. 2014 X-Brand Goggles is back and better than ever. and I want you guys in a set of W wheels. So do what I did and head to wus today. W-U-S-A, all things wheels. What's up guys? It's time to talk a little bit about Roy Borden Race. He's the performance specialist. Suspension, making a motor work, balancing a bike, Hey, this is Adam with Vexy MX, and you're listening to the Big MX Podcast radio show.
0: Hey, this is Alex Ray. I don't know if why you're listening to Brad's podcast, but I'll be back on soon. Hey, this is Zach Cummins. All you hosers, quit listening to Nickelback and jump on over to the Big MX radio show.
1: Hey, guys, this is Cade Clayson, and not only do I blow uh, Alex Ray's doors off on the track, but I do it at K1 speed, too. Given the whole process of building a bike like this, um, how eager are you to uh, to do it all over again with a different machine? Uh, and if you were to do it, uh, what what would you have in mind? Would you go further back in time? Uh, or would you, you bring it closer to the present day? Uh, what would you be thinking if, uh, if you were in, in a position to immediately do another one of these builds?
0: I think if, my my, if I perfect choice. If I could get the bike, I would love to do. Is I would love to do a Bradshaw replica '92. Uh, um, my best friend that has a '89 500. Had a '92 YZ250 uh, back in the early '90s. I thought that was a it was a real fun bike, um and I always loved Bradshaw's bike that year with the purple seat and the YZR graphics. And I'm a huge Bradshaw fan anyway, so I think that would be the one I would like definitely love to
1: to do and uh, restore yeah right on man I I, I totally agree I, I kind of got my eyes set on uh early 90s two-stroke like it, it's uh like I'd have to kind of do some thinking as to what what, what who's whose bike I'd like to kind of recreate but um that that to me was the era where the the bikes really kind of came into their own a little bit. They're they're not that much different than a than a modern bike, like a couple of pieces here and there. But for the most part, uh, very similar uh, upside down suspension, uh, platform pegs, stuff like that, that 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 we're used to. And uh, all the the biggest differences really are a couple of the, the mechanisms as far as power valves go and stuff like that. And obviously, you deal with this uh, usually a spine. Uh, Steel frame, but uh, um, I would love to to put together a bike like that. Whether it be maybe a a Jeff Emig uh, edition uh, uh, Yamaha 125 or uh, something along those lines, I think that'd be a really cool build.
0: I I agree. I mean, really, if if you ride like that, CR have. You could go and out and win, like, obviously, intermediate or, or novice in pretty much any oh, class if you're fast enough. It's not it's not that much of a disadvantage. The, the power is, yeah, it's not going to rip your arms out of your socket, but it's not slow. Um, the main thing I think you're going to have to do is you're going to be at a disadvantage in the brakes. I do notice that's a big difference. I mean, if you get a modern KTM and then jump on that that CR, it feels like it has drums. They're so <laughs> so much less powerful Uh, but like anything, if you get used to it, you know, you just have to pull on the lever a little harder, but if, you know, if you're fast, the bike is capable of still performing at a, a really high level, you know, as long as it's, you know, in good shape and the suspension's fresh.
1: Totally agree. I had uh, Jimmy Dakotas, who uh, and this is an outdoor race, not a supercross, come to uh, a local uh, race. He rode my KX252 stroke that had uh, uh, graphics on it, um, completely bone stock. It had a Pro Circuit pipe and silencer, but that's it. Uh, no, no suspension work. It was stock suspension. It was in 2013. It had the original fo- sh- uh, shock. And fork oil in it, um, and he whooped up on the local pros thirty five, forty seconds, every single moto uh, wheeling away from those guys on a machine that uh, he had never ridden before. So uh, um, that then that was the day that it realized that uh, it's not the it's not the machine that's holding me back there, Tony.
0: Yeah, exactly. that's the thing. I mean, I'm saying at the elite level, yeah, in the pro class yeah, or whatever, sure, but anything below that, any bike, with disc brakes and like inverted forks and a modern power valve engine and stuff it has more than enough performance for the average person to win if they have the skill you know the bike is not going to be the limiting factor you don't have to have a pro circuit engine and you know eight thousand uh, dollar you know kit suspension and stuff to to win the, the c-class of chicken mix raceway it doesn't, it's not necessary
1: not necessary but it does look cool
0: it does look cool. Hey, trust me. I've always wanted my bike to look cool even though it's slow as crap. So it's, I can definitely sympathize with that sentiment.
1: Absolutely. As you subscribe to uh, my uh, my saying of uh, look pro, go slow, bro.
0: There you go. That's, that's easier on the uh, easier on the uh, backside when you crash. You're going a little slower, so I'm fine with that.
1: Sir, yes, sir. So um, I I can't help but notice that uh, like uh, m- much to the uh, – the benefit of you, as far as uh, the your, your your pocketbook, I'd imagine that Michelin looks like they uh, hooked you up with a set of Star Cross fives. But uh, staying true to the uh, the motif, of the bike still says Dunlop on the uh, on the rear fender. Um, were there any politics in terms of uh, of your your acquiring those uh, those tires? Uh, I'm sure you would have let them know full well that uh, you had planned on uh, throwing the Dunlop logo on there.
0: You know, uh, no, there wasn't. Uh, it, obviously, that was uh, part of the kit. When I ordered the kit from Evo MX, it had the uh, Dunlop uh, stickers already on it. But yes, to be true, much like the grips, I probably should have uh, put Michelin decals on there. But um, well, They I, I
1: run Dunlop back in the day. I, I think that's totally of Yeah,
0: exactly. That's just like what the, the factory team ran that year. Um, yeah. I actually thought about trying to get some Dunlop's um you know because steve could have got me hooked up on those as well but i actually wanted to try out the Michelin's and stuff so um even though yes it's not 100 percent accurate to the uh the bike build um mm-hmm. i mean i don't have an H- hrc pipe on it either i have a pro circuit so it's i'm not like uber anal uh about it i just wanted to be have this you know basically keep the spirit of the original bike um you know there's there's some things like some guys have gone all the way to have some cut those remember those uh uh tvm or tmv whatever the those factory honda ran those very minimalist fork guards in the front yeah yeah um, yeah. Instead, right. of, instead of the wraparound ones and they're the factory that made them burned down like in 2001 so you they're almost impossible to get you can still find them every now and again leftover works ones and stuff but they're out you know really expensive and i was like well i don't want yeah it would be tricked but i don't want to go crazy and uh you know try and find uh some leftover work stuff and spend a fortune on it you know it's just not worth it
1: as far as the as far as the gearing goes, uh, were you happy with the uh, the the sprocket selection that you had uh, selected from? Uh, I think it looks like that's is it Sunstar uh, sprocket? Uh,
0: yeah, it's a it's a Sunstar. Yep. No, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, no, no. Hold on, wait a minute. I'm trying to think now. They ran Sunstar 91. Um, I'm trying to think here and look it up real quick. But to answer your question, yeah, to answer your question, the uh, the actual. Um, gearing I went up one tooth on it and yeah it looks like it yeah I kind of wish I'd gone up another one maybe just because I'd like to be able to uh carry a gear taller most places I always try to my riding style I I always prefer to keep it a gear tall and kind of torque it through the turns so I usually gear mine down a little bit so I wish I had actually probably gone one more tooth but you know I was doing it without actually having much I wouldn't didn't do anything more than ride the bike around the yard before I started to build. So right. it was difficult to know exactly what direction I wanted to go with that at the time. Fair enough. Uh,
1: other than the, uh, other than the carburetor, other than the, uh, the seat cover, what was your biggest headache with uh, this particular uh, build?
0: Oof. Um, well the seat covers, obviously the, the absolute was my Moby Dick, my white whale <laughs> that I, that damn seat cover. The whale's um, vagina. Oh, that was so much. It was driving me crazy, that stupid seat cover. Yeah, and the fact that I still have like a little ridge in it still makes me mad, but I have to learn to live with it. Um, I, You know, I had some issues with, oh, there's always these little things. Like when I, I got it back together, um, I had it all ready to go. Uh, and then I find out that the front bearings I got don't fit the front axle. Maybe the bit, like they're just a tiny bit too small for the front axle to go through. Uh, so it, maybe they're from a 91 or so, you know what I mean? There's always weird things on a, on a classic bike, especially if you're going aftermarket. it'll say fits this year to this year. You think, okay, no problem. But then maybe there's some minuscule difference that you don't realize between those years. So I had, I had a couple of issues like that where I tried to get it all back together and it just wouldn't quite fit. Um, but I really, I really didn't have other than the carburetor and that stupid seat. Those were the only two things that were like really a pain in my ass. Hmm.
1: Well, it, it turned out absolutely gorgeous, and uh, I'm glad that it's uh, it's 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 a functional piece, it's an ornamental piece, and something that you can be really proud of. And uh, looking forward to uh, to seeing what 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 you come up with next, because uh, uh, an eye for detail and uh, able to uh, execute it. I know uh, you'll, the, the next one that you do uh, given that I, you, you do do a next one, it'll, it'll be, uh, just as special. And, uh, um, looking forward to, to, to seeing you, uh, to put it all together, man. Um, <coughs> when did you get the, uh, the, the Fox gear that, uh, the, the retro Fox gear to do the, uh, the maiden voyage
0: with? Um, I got that from BTO sports actually. They had like a half off sale, um, back around Christmas on some of that LE gear. And I was like, Dude, I, lo- I I thought it would be a cool match for the Obviously, the bike is the right year and everything for it. Yeah. So I said, well, I can't pass this up. Uh, it was uh, um, a killer deal, so I snagged it then.
1: There you go. Oh, that's beautiful. I ah. think uh, everything came together on this bike, and uh, you're uh... – you're happy to see that it's, it's, it's all gone well. And, uh, like plans on, um, I don't know, like, do you, do you race this thing? Do you ride this thing on a regular basis? Uh, and, uh, what kind of, what kind of, um, like, it, is it, is it too beautiful to, to take out in some uh, adverse conditions?
0: Oh my God. Oh yeah, definitely. I will, if there's any hint of mud, I will not be taking that bike <laughs> near that. But, um, you know, I, I I would love to not ride it at all. Right now, it's my only motocross bike because um, I got like I told you before, I got rid of my YZ a little while back. Yeah. Um, so I did take it out riding this weekend. I plan on riding it again this weekend. I'm gonna ride it a little bit. Um, as I I told you before, like I need to have my hip from years and you know 30 years of riding motocross. My right yeah. hip is like just toast. It's bone on bone in there. So after I ride for a couple of hours, I almost can't walk for a day or two so i'd like to get i'd love to get a new bike you know like a new ktm or something um but i just don't know if i'll be able to ride enough to justify it so for the little bit of riding i can do until i get my hip fixed i think the the cr will probably be fine for that um i don't want to wear it out i don't want to ride it a ton you know the thing uh, i want to keep it looking like a showpiece as best i can but uh you know if it gets a little scuffed and nicked it's not a big deal you know it isn't it isn't Jeremy McGrath's personal bike or something like that. It is just a replica. So I can always replace parts if I break them.
1: There you go. So, uh, but uh, definitely looking at maybe the, one of those uh, 2017 uh, KTM 252 strokes. Uh, oh, I want one the, so uh, bad, bro. Oh, they're so good looking. And uh, I know somebody that's already got a down payment on one to, uh, to come back down, uh, up to, to Canada. So uh, we're, we're looking good in that department.
0: Well, all I can say is, if you get one, I'm making a road trip. I got you. Got to let me take it for a spin. Of course, absolutely.
1: I wouldn't have it any other way. And uh, uh, I love the way my my current bike uh, turned out. The uh, guys over at RPM Graphics uh, dialed up a uh, Dungy replica, uh, kind of kind of like a, a Dungy replica uh, for for me. Uh, the kit, and then uh, Bill's pipes. Uh, also, uh, the the pipe itself came the exact same day as the graphics. Put everything together, and. Uh, Sounds great. It looks great. Uh, I can't stop looking at my motorcycle. I'm a happy kid.
0: Ah, that's awesome. Yeah, thing looks great.
1: Absolutely. Uh, uh, looking forward to, uh, to to riding it more than I already have. Uh, I haven't been able to get out on it as much as I'd like to, but uh, surprisingly. Not a huge change as far as, like, I, I really felt like I was going to feel, like, uh, completely out of my element coming from, from like, years of being on green bikes to, to riding a KTM. Like, um, it's still a steel frame, but um, first time that I'm riding with uh, no crossbar, pat like, no crossbar on the bars. Um just, just different, different en- engine characteristics altogether. But I felt like pretty comfortable right away, and uh, I- I'm liking it, man. And uh, can't, can't, hard to argue with that, uh, that cone look pipe from Bill's Pipes. Uh, it got me looking way too fresh.
0: Your, your KX. What well, years of the KX you have? Is it an 05, 04? 05, yeah, '250, 05? So how would you rate the difference between those two? Because I actually had an 06. Um, and. The, I,
1: the the Kawasaki, the motor hits harder, signs off earlier. The the and uh it kind of it's got that kind of short feeling stink bug feeling thing when he at at high speed, whereas the, the KTM feels very, very stable all the time. Uh it pulls super smooth. Uh obviously the the pipe and silencer on it uh not only uh picked it up a little bit on the bottom, but also uh kind of like really, like it's it's stronger everywhere, but all, like what it, it it picks it picks it up on top more than anything, uh, which I really like because that's kind of how I'm used to riding the the Kawasaki. Because it, you you had the O six, the only way to ride that thing is you got to kind of try and ride it like a one twenty five,
0: right? Which is scary. Yeah, I... Spot. I, I it was a kind of a weird bike i actually didn't really care for the thing when i had it it was a little like the handling i thought was a little bit odd and you're right the bike has kind of a stink bug feel to it but the motor hit super hard it was like super hard hit to the engine it was uh it's funny i actually had my um cr500 you know at the same time and you ride them back to back and it, it hit about as hard as that 500 did but you're right it it didn't keep that that pull going for very long you know with a um i ended up having a i got an 08 ktm uh 250 right after that and yeah. uh it was uh i think based, probably the same basic mode you have in that one it doesn't have similar. Uh, because your, your engine is more or less the very similar and it definitely pulled over a much broader range you know definitely um uh, easier to ride i think than the kx the kx is fun but it's hard to ride fast i found it tiring
1: yeah, no, it's super tiring. You gotta be super aggressive, and the w- only way I found that I, I was really successful with it is uh, gear it way down, and uh, so that I could I could be I could I could go from f- like n- not actually really use first gear, but like end up having to come out of certain corners in first and almost kind of dancing on the uh, on the shifter, kind of like a 125 because uh, like all the power is up top. There is zero power on the bottom. There's just nothing, nothing there. Like it, like it's just you're. Like, it was actually a, the a, a bike for, like, if you don't want to ride fast, it's a perfect bike for you because it won't go anywhere until you want to go fast. Unfortunately, when it hits, it hits hard and fast and uh, a little bit hard to control. Like, there's... The thing jumped out of my dad's hands over a jump and uh, he ended up landing on his ass, folded himself in half, but... Um, Honestly, I, I, I kind of like learned to kind of tame the beast a little bit. I really like that motorcycle. Uh, it's going to become a little bit of a showpiece in the fact that uh, like I've got the KTM now. So, uh, but um, head and shoulders, tip to tail, love the KTM. And uh, for everything that I'm hearing about the 17s, the bike's even better. So uh, looking forward to uh, getting the the new new one uh, at uh, possibly at the end of the year.
0: Awesome, good for you. Like I said, I'd love to, love to know what you think of that when you get it. What do you think of the forks on it? Do you have any issue with those 4CF uh, forks?
1: Nothing. I like. I I I'm a uh, fast novice, slow intermediate rider, so I don't know if I quite push the the fork to uh, to feel what other guys complain about, but. Uh, um, Definitely feels a little bit different than my Kawasaki, but I also had uh, stiffer springs and some valve work done on my Kawi. So uh, tough to—it's not not really apples to apples there, but um, I, I I don't have too many complaints. And uh, like I said, it's definitely not holding me back from uh, from from navigating the track whatsoever.
0: Sure, that's cool. Yeah, okay. I had like some my O eight. You know, the, the magazines didn't think they were that great, but I had no problem with them either. I thought they were fine. You know, for the speed I'm going to go, they worked fine.
1: That's pre-link, um,
0: uh, yeah. KTM. Yeah, yeah, it was it was no link. Yeah, no link.
1: So I my, I, I have no problem with that either, and uh, I I like it. I no complaints, honestly. And uh, the only thing that's kind of weird is that um, there's certain things, Like if you wanna if you're if you want to replace your number plates, you're getting an airbox.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's all. But yeah, the number plate on the especially on the 17 is like almost all airbox. My 08 was the same way. The, air, the number plate was 90% airbox and, like, 10% actual number plate.
1: Yeah, like, uh, that That kind of, like, like kind like, of tough, tough to get used to, especially with the Kawasaki that had, like, honestly, for my money, the 2004 through 2000, well, they we sold them in 08 up in Canada, but up to 06, uh, 125, and 250, one of the best overall plastic in like, like bodywork of, of of a two stroke. I think with the, the the back fender that just like pointed to the sky, the big big uh, back number plates, uh, impossible to put graphics on uh, um, shrouds. But they're beautiful. I got one sitting right behind me here. Uh, that I was able to get pretty good. I don't think there's too many gaps. Uh but um and then yeah, just I, I don't know what it is about that bike. It just sits on the stand and it looks super sexy and it just looks mean. That green bike just looks mean. I love it.
0: Yeah, it's a good looking bike. Like I said, I had the O 0- six and I put you know the factory Chevy truck stuff on it and the flow green. It looked awesome. Yeah. That's a good looking bike.
1: So but before before we uh we, we completely just uh like, before I let you go, and I know it's it's our. Just past eleven bells, your time. You got to be uh, up, up early, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed to uh, sell some cars tomorrow. Um, let's talk a little bit about um, the outdoor series that rolls into High Point coming up this weekend. Um, pretty excited about this, and it's uh, it's something that um, like this series really starts to ramp up now. Unfortunately, we lost one of our top guys in Ryan Dungey. But uh, what are your thoughts on the 450 class coming into the uh, the High Point National?
0: Uh, well, uh, me personally, I'm super bummed because I'm a Dungy fan. So I was super uh, excited to see uh, him and uh Roxen go at it all summer. And I'm, I'm really afraid now that Kenny is just going to walk away with this even worse than he already was. It wasn't like Ryan Twenty-three was, and 23-1? You know, <laughs> yeah, it could be. I mean, there's always – that's odd. Uh, it would be odd to have that happen because – there's almost always some kind of issue where somebody gets a bad start or something, but it wouldn't shock me. I mean, the way he's riding, he seems like to be a class. I mean, let's say even Ryan wasn't uh, injured. I I don't think he was showing the speed to really run Kenny down at any point this year. So um, it may not have been that exciting of a championship anyway, but uh, I, I don't think that Eli, whether it's his bike or his body or whatever is at a place right now where he's at, Kenny's level. Um, so unless something goes wrong, he should just be able to just keep clicking these off. I think, you know, it might make it a little, a little boring going to rest away in the 450 class. I'm afraid.
1: Yeah, no, I I agree. Uh, It's all depending on Tomac whether we have a fun series to watch or not. Uh, And then it's kind of like a who's going to be the best of the rest, which we've seen a lot of summers come down to that, I guess. And it's it's uh, uh, I still love to watch the races. Um, I kind of I'm the way I watch the races nowadays. It's more of I watch um, particular events. Like the, like the race with like the, the race within the series. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's every single race and sometimes the race doesn't turn out to be a good one and I'm bummed, but that doesn't necessarily make a bad championship or sometimes it does. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. I mean, you're right about the 450 class and that, let's be honest, I mean, most years it's not that interesting either, whether it's Ryan Villopoto or Dungey, or Villopoto's hurt. Um, it usually doesn't come down to the way it did two years ago with, uh, uh, dungy and rocks and taking it all the way to the end uh so the title is probably not going to be exciting i think there's plenty of stuff to to keep you interested um i think what's been lucky most years though is that the 450 class has been a little bit boring the 250 class has kind of taken up the slack usually that that's a little more dynamic in terms of multiple winners and stuff the, the kids tend to be more unpredictable and uh i think that's there's certainly plenty of stuff to look forward to in that class um I'm so, so psyched for Alex Martin and how well he's doing, and um, I'll be interested to see if he can keep it up or it's like a deal like, you know, Steve Lampson had toward the end of his career where he was up front for two or three rounds early and everybody thought he was making to come back, but then he kind of slid back. It, um, I'd love to see him actually make it, you know, challenge for the title. That would be so, so awesome, you know, almost unprecedented, really.
1: Oh, totally. Uh, it's um, I. I'd love to see uh, a four-way, maybe a three or four-way battle for the 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 championship lead in the two fifties. I think there's there's enough speed and there's enough inconsistency in that that group where you can really get some guys who uh, who really battle it out and, and some you don't see a huge hugely clear picture. Um, but then again, we get, might have Joey Savacci after two weeks down at the ranch or at the 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 farm sorry uh, just uh, come out and, and drop another uh, um, great performance on these guys and start to distance himself but uh, those those four four yamahas and uh, throw a couple of kawasakis in there and um, it, it's a two manufacturer battle for uh, for for 250f supremacy and honestly when I'm logging in to watch the motos on uh, on promotorcross.com I, I I gravitate to the 250 motos before anything else because it's just damn good racing.
0: Yeah, it's been more exciting this year for sure. I mean, it's been certainly more predictable. I mean, I, I was after the Glen Helen, I was like, wow, maybe Savachi's not for real. But then he comes back out and he's blazing fast last weekend. So, uh, you know, it'd be great if it's like that every weekend. I'd love to see somebody new, you know, rise to the top every weekend. It would keep the championship interesting at least.
1: Absolutely. So, uh, um, before before I totally let you go, let's get. Uh... Uh, some podium predictions for the uh, the 250 class and 450 class um, respectively.
0: Oof. All right. I'm going to go on a limb. I'm going to say, uh, I say Jeremy Martin first, um, Savassi second, and Alex Martin third in the 250. Um, in the 450, I think Roxon should just walk away from everybody. I'd say Roxen, Eli. Um, oh, third's a little tougher. Hmm. I've got a wild wild goose chase here. I'll say uh, Barsha. He pull, Barsha. He pulls it together a little bit. He
1: turns his life around and gets on the podium. I'd love to see it. Um, 450 podium, I'm calling. Same as you, uh, take um, Barsha out, insert canard, because I'm a little bit less of a gambling man than you are. Um, although he he's had some some ups, ups and downs in 2016. 250 class, I'm thinking... Uh, Savachi up front, Jmart uh second, and uh round out the podium with uh ooh, Aaron Plessinger. I think he's been uh kind of biding his time a little bit and uh he's been riding a lot over I think mean, he's been at Club MX, if I'm not mistaken. Club MX or South Florida, yeah. something like that. And uh they I think he's been putting in some good time, so uh I think like I'm calling it right now podium for uh for Plessinger.
0: I'd like to see that. I, you know, early when we did our uh, you know our preseason thing, I thought he'd be a little more of a of a threat. You know, he hasn't yeah. really shown that too much yet. So um, maybe he'll turn it around this weekend. That'd be cool.
1: Yeah, pull up your socks there, uh,
0: Aaron. There you go. Long so, legs are getting uh, caught in the spokes or something.
1: What uh, what can we expect from uh, the motocross vault in the next little while? Do you kind of plan when you're going to drop what you drop? Um, what, what, is there any kind of a rhyme or reason as to uh, what videos that you, you post? And uh, uh, is, has, there, has people been asking for anything that you haven't been able to, uh, you haven't yet posted and, uh, and think you might be getting to soon?
0: Um, you're talking about the YouTube channel, correct? So you yes. mean the uh, You know, most of the races that I have that I feel safe posting are up there. I have I started doing a couple of things um, where I had I was doing like a, a rider history, like in pictures, kind of a slideshow thing. Yeah. Um, and, and I actually had somebody who laid a claim to some photo take a takedown notice on one of those. So I just said, I'm just going to, I'm not going to take a chance. Like I did with the Duke video thing. I took them all off. I said, like, okay, we're not going down this road again.
1: Oh wow. Um, yeah, I'm just noticing that. Now. Yeah, yeah.
0: That was kind of a bummer. Um, so I haven't, um, and here's the other thing. When I had that one takedown notice for this, it was a George Obey career history thing. It's just a slideshow, a bunch of photos. So yeah. when they did that, Europeans. It, yeah, exactly. It, this one takedown notice means that for six months I can't upload anything longer than 15 minutes. So I really can't even post up some uh, races. Cause I, I didn't get, I just found an old uh, tape. I have this thing called motor rock 2, which is um, a pretty cheesy mid eighties arena cross slash motocross video that I want to put up on YouTube. Um, it's pretty cool. I was like Davey. I don't know if you saw, I posted a little clip of it, of Davey Coom showing off some uh, uh, gear from 1986. There's some cool little bits. Some of it's kind of cheesy, but it's very period to the 80s. Um, but I can't do anything until like November because of the stupid one strike against my account. So any racing wow. I have, has got to be like less than 15 minutes. So I can do a little thing like an update on my, my Project 90 or something. But um, yeah, it's lame. YouTube is tough with that stuff, you know? It's like, and, it, and the worst part is, uh, you really don't have much recourse, you know. They just clip you. They don't give you a warning. Hey, guess what? This is a problem. Can you respond? No, no, just gone. Clipped. You're done. Yeah. I was like, Oh, that's a good luck getting shit. a hold of anybody at Google. They, they, you know, <laughs> I've had problems with that stuff before, and you're, there's no way to get a hold of the tech or help or anything. It's crazy.
1: You mean that there's not a motocross history hotline of uh, like no! kind of fast tracking? That, that's I am a shocked and appalled
0: that that is not the case. There should be. There should. I should get Davy on this right away.
1: Exactly. Or the the, the powers that be. Anyway, um, Tony. It's always a pleasure to to have you on the show. Uh, for those who are, aren't already following you uh, on uh, on Facebook, you are the Motocross Vault. Uh, on Instagram, you are. Tony Blazer as well as Twitter and uh, back to the motocross vault for you two unfortunately we won't get too many uh, posts in the next little while but there's tons of great content on there to keep you up late late at night uh, dreaming of, uh, of, of motocross years gone by Tony thanks, for, uh, thanks again for coming on don't hang up just yet but for podcast sake we'll cut it off right there
0: alright cool thanks man
1: thank you for listening to the Big MX Podcast brought to you by X-Brand Goggles Be sure to check out our archive for episodes you may have missed. Check out our website at BigMXRadio.com for more content.
2: sound of feet on polished floor and in the dollar store the clerk is closing up and counting loonies trying not to say I hate Winnipeg the driver checks the mirror seven minutes late Restlessness enunciates But guess who sucked? The Jets were lousy anyway The same route every day And in the turning lane Someone stalled again He's talking to himself and here's the price of gas, repeat his phrase, I hate Winnipeg. of pay. A golden business boy Will watch the north end die And sing I love this town Then let his King wrecking ball proclaim I Hate Winnipeg